Welcome to the Beautiful and True Project podcast. This is a place where we talk about beauty and truth, the things that are most important to us, the things that ground us, and the things that uplift us. As you listen, you're going to hear that the audio quality in this recording is not amazing. So if you're an audiophile, it may drive you a little nuts. The truth is that I'm not an expert at sound recording. I know a little bit, but not much. And also, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So this was recorded over an iPhone. So it's basically just a recorded cell phone conversation with all of the fuzziness and all of the slight inconsistencies. Despite that, the conversation is great, so just turn the volume up a little bit and enjoy. My guest today is Tara Sullivan. She is a holistic healer, among many other things, and she's based in Chicago. And I am super excited to talk to Tara because, Tara, I don't know if you actually know this, you have really been with this from the beginning. Did you know that? You had said something about that, but I don't know that I remember the specifics of of this. As I was starting to think about what it might really mean to articulate what is beautiful and true for myself and what it might mean to try to live into that, you just immediately popped into my head as someone who is doing just that. I am absolutely certain. I completely 100% certain that you know for yourself and have articulated for yourself what is beautiful and true for you and that you are actively choosing to live with that as your guide. At least I can see that so clearly. Would you say that what I've just said is accurate or right-ish? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it. it's funny. I think it started for me, it started in high school. Um, my English teacher, my junior year in high school, she, um, you know, she assigned us, we had to do practice essays for college. And um, I remember the day that we were getting the first set of them back and we were all sitting there and she wasn't in the room yet. And she came in and she had the stack of papers in her hand and she like dropped them with a thump on her desk. And she looked at all of us with this, like she was seething and she said you people disgust me she said oh wow. all you yeah she says all you care about is money she said let me tell you something you are going to spend more time at your jobs than you're going to spend with your families you're going to spend more time at your jobs than you're going to spend with your lovers so you better do something that you love she said let me tell you they couldn't pay me a million dollars not to be a teacher. So it'd be nice if they paid me a million dollars to be a teacher, but this is where I belong. Find something that makes you feel like that. And yeah, I went home and I looked at my parents and I said, stop looking for pre-law programs. I'm going to theater school. Um, <laughs> my mother was, uh-huh. my mother was more than slightly horrified by Oh, I remember this conversation for myself. Yes, please go on. <laughs> well, my, my mother half-jokingly said, um, do you mean to tell me we're going to spend all this money for our child of ours to go to 
to learn how to go to New York, stand on audition lines, starve, and catch AIDS. And I was like, yes, Bobby, that's exactly what I mean. Um, wow. She yeah, she she mellowed a bit after that. but And she's always been super supportive. But, like, in the moment, that was her immediate response. Um, but that has stayed with me all the way along. Like, if if I am not happy, if, if I am doing something that doesn't resonate deeply with me, if if what I am doing does not align with who I am, then why am I doing it? And so th- that's really been a guiding principle for me um, ever since then, ever since then. And it, it has taken me, you know, on a very windy road in many ways. And it has, it's certainly not the, the path most people have taken. And it's certainly not been the path of security and all of those kinds of things. But Boy, I, I, I sure am happy and I love what I do and I, I love the way that I get to be in the world and get to be with people and, and I wouldn't trade any of it. And that, I have to say, it is so clear to everyone who knows you. Um, Thank you. Me even asking this question is a little, is a little facetious because <laughs> it, is, it is just that evident. You're talking right now about how, how happy you are. And something I've been thinking a lot about, and I think people who wrangle with these questions do, is that, yes, you seem fundamentally happy. And I have seen you angry as hell. And I have seen you frustrated. And I have seen you sorrowful. And none of that, there's this base, this like base pool of calm happiness that none of that seems to touch. And it can be very powerful. I've seen you very angry about things, (laughs) outraged and, and righteous indignation. And yet that, that, that calm pool is still always seems to be at the center. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's an anchor, you know, it, it anchors my life in many ways. I, I've always had this image of, of those things, you know, whether it's, it's family or career or calling or, or whatever, arts, creativity, whatever it is that is, to use your words, beautiful and true for you, that those are the things that, that, that are the anchors that we tie our kite strings to that allow us to fly straight and true and, and to deal with whatever storms come at us. Um, Mm -hmm. That it, that it is the the thing that grounds us into everything. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I would say, you know, I mean, I definitely, <laughs> as you said, I, if I, am, if I am not an unemotional human being. I have definitely all 88 keys, both the, the lights <laughs> and the darks. But fundamentally, um, I, I am, very, I feel very lucky to be really happy. And I think some of that is um, like shit luck of genetics and being wired to be an optimist and, and having good body chemistry and all of that kind of stuff. And, and the other piece of it, I think too, is, is just this fundamental belief that I have that, that my happiness, like, like choosing my happiness and choosing where my joy is and choosing to be with the things and the people and that, that I find, um, beautiful and true and pleasurable that that's going to serve the world and that if I'm that if I'm fundamentally unhappy that that's that's not of service yeah oh I wanted 
had something I wanted to ask you about, but this seems like a perfect segue into your work as a holistic healer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can only I can only imagine, and I've talked with you a little bit about this, but I can only imagine that this kind of guiding principle that you're talking about led you to this practice. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about it is that I avoided it uh, probably for the better part of a decade. Like, I almost went to massage school, like, seven or eight times um, and kept not doing it. And there was this part of me, I think, that was really scared about, like, being trapped in an office all day, every day. And and I was, you know, I was pursuing being a professional actor and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I can get really dug in about things, and I was really dug in about you know, being successful as an actor. I wanted to do eight shows a week and pay the bills with it. And I was going to be happy and fulfilled at that point. And, and then I got there. I, I got eight shows a week and I was paying the bills with it. And I didn't have to do anything else. And I was a working actor. And like I got about three months into that show and I sort of felt like I knew how to do something that was going to run for a long time at that point. That sort of had that, you know, base sort of concrete grounding in that. And I picked up my head and I looked around and I thought, is this it? <laughs> I'm neither happy nor fulfilled. Shit, what do I do now? Which really, it, it led to the like better part of two years of, of doing some really deep soul searching. Um, ended up leaving the show and going back to grad school. Um, I have a master's degree in creativity and spirituality. Um, I have a lot of degrees that um, won't get you a job, but that have been very fulfilling to me. Um, <laughs> and following that, I was actually already working with the man who became my mentor, who was he was my holistic healer at the time. And the very first time that I had sat down opposite him, um, he said hello and I said hello. And then he got this sort of like funny look on his face and he started like looking over the top of my head and like all around, but not at me looking around at me. And I knew he was looking at my aura and um, it went on for like a full minute, which is a really long time to have somebody like stare at you stare without at saying you. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The minute doesn't seem like that long, but it was a long time. Um, and he actually used to be an actor too. So he's got a flair for the dramatic. So at the end of that minute, he like whipped off his glasses and like leaned across the table to me in this very deep voice. He said, hello, little one who can do what I can do. And my <laughs> head. Yeah. I love it. Totally. That is dramatic. It was totally dramatic. And, and I was so not ready to hear it. And in fact, my brain went, no, I'm an actor. Um, I didn't ask him what he saw. I didn't ask him what he meant. I went into total wise ass mode and I was like, well, it's my first time here. So I don't know what you do, but hi, it was a total shit. What brought you there in the first place? How did you, how did you end up going to him? I was working at a casting agency and everybody at the agency saw this healer and they kept talking about him. And I, it's funny because like I was the kid who like in sixth grade was making all my friends do ESP experiments in the attic. Um, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I did my seventh grade science report on a field of scientific study that you might want to go into on parapsychology, which is like ghost, ghost busting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my college roommate, you know, took one look at me and was like, clearly you're a witch. Um, 
you know, so there were like all of these things around me, like, you know, and I was open to and interested in and everything like that. And at the same time, I come from a family of doubting Thomases. Like we have to stick our fingers in the blood before we believe anything. So when they were like, oh, you have to go see this healer. I was like, mm-hmm, healer, we'll see. whatever (laughs) whatever we'll see if it holds up I I will decide that for myself um and then I met him like some random way um and he said something to me that first time I was like fine I'll come see you (laughs) so so yeah what what you're describing what you're describing reminds me so much of how so many pastors and ministers talk about their call yep so many of them run from it for years. Uh, and then eventually they're like, okay, fine, I'm tired. You can have me. Yeah, it's a little bit like I, I have said, like it hunted me down. Mm-hmm. Like I got dragged into the treatment room. It was, it, it was like the universe was like, oh, my God, you keep saying you want to be happy. Just come on. You know? And what I didn't understand, like in all those years of like not wanting to be stuck in an office all day, every day and everything like that. And I, I have said this to people before, they've said this to you before, um, you know, like closing the door on the treatment room is a little bit like opening the door to Narnia. Like I think about that all the time. Like, like I close the door and I'm with a person and I never know where we're going to go. And I never know what the experience is going to be like. And even if it's somebody that I've been seeing for 10 years, they're always in a different place. So it's always a different experience and getting to be in that space with them is always magical. And it's always an adventure and it's always a wonder. And I always just feel so deeply honored that I get to be in that space with people. Um, and I'm always so grateful. I'm like, thank you. Which is why these days when I feel like the universe is tugging at me, I try and, you know, not run away from it. Because <laughs> I'm betting it's something that I'm going to really like if I'll just say yes. I always say nobody has a better job than I do because I get to love people all day, every day. And that's really what it, really what it feels like, you know, I mean, I, I do a combination of um, deep tissue therapeutic massage and energy work and vibrational healing and some coaching. And it's this very mind, body, spirit um, sort of approach to wellness, like helping people stay well and, um, and to live their most authentic and most juicy life. Like that's, that's what I most want for people is, is for them to be deeply grounded in the truth of themselves um, and I always say that, love, like, having, sorry, please go ahead. No, 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 no. You always say, <laughs> I always say that having my hands on people is like standing in front of a choir and being able to hear where the notes are off. And it's my job to put everything back into tune with itself. And there is this moment that's almost like, you know, when we used to have to dial in our radios and you could like get it to the point where you're like, you actually got rid of the static and all of a sudden, like, like the song came through, like clear and true. And that happens underneath my hands. Like there is this moment with people where like, it's, we, we've gotten rid of enough of the static that they were holding on in their bodies. And, and all of a sudden it's like their, their own personal song comes through in that moment and it is one of the most amazing feelings that I have ever experienced to to feel somebody's truth underneath my hands in that way and it's just 
it's just it's it's revelatory and it's divine and 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 in many ways there just are not words to describe it but it is it is one of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life well you you say there are, are not words to describe it and I believe you but the one that you use over and over and I think every time I've come to see you you have used this to me you've asked this question what would make you feel juicy today. Yes. <laughs> and I'm and I'm wondering and I I know that, that that is like your word. You own that word so so much. When yeah. you say so when <laughs> is when when I talk about beauty beauty and truth and what is beautiful and true, do you think that juicy is your version of that? Yeah, it's it's definitely part of that, right? Like for me juiciness is about like that joie de vivre. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if I think about, um, you know, the the idea of having our wells filled, our internal resources be filled all the way to the top and then be overflowing, the juiciness of that. Like when you bite into it, the best peach ever. And when you bite into it, it like runs down your arm and you have to like lick it before it gets to your elbow. I, like who doesn't want to live like that to be in the juiciness of it? And, and yes, I mean, is there anything more beautiful and true? Like the first really great peach of summer. Oh, I'm getting excited well, you, just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's coming. So you, yeah. you just said something that I had been thinking about, which is um, who wouldn't want to live like this. And yet we have, we have plenty of evidence and I would include myself at certain points in my life uh, of being unwilling or unable to experience juiciness. Yeah. You know, you're talking about well, following the kite string and I wonder, I wonder if there, this is, this is the kind of thing that I think about. Yeah. What, if, what if we live in a world where most people don't? And yeah. Maybe well, that think- is what is, so troubling and causing so much pain. Yes. I'm probably wildly <laughs> oversimplifying, but. No, no, I think that that's true though. I mean, I don't think, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because I've been writing about this. I mean, they're like from an evolutionary perspective, they're staying alive, right? That's what old lizard brain wants us to do is stay alive. And staying alive means sticking to things that we already know. And it does not, it, that does not include things that are juicy and great and possible and all of that. I mean, it's nice if, if where we happen to be standing right now is all of those things, but like safety comes first, right? And so... You know, I think there's there's some hardwiring for us that's about um, sticking with the herd, right? Because the human animal, when you start thinking about the human animal, like we are not fast, we are not strong, we are not well defended. You know, we're kind of you know a nice soft appetizer. <laughs> we don't have our, our own teeth and claws. Yeah, we've got we've really got nothing. What we've got are you know our big brains and and numbers, right? And that's what kept us safe for so long. And so, like sticking with the herd and being acceptable in the herd and like all of those kinds of things for thousands of years is what kept us safe. It, we have we have a lot of of programming 
to overcome in order to be able to step away from from what we know or from what we've been taught or how we've been programmed and say, no, this this is what's beautiful and true for me. And and I'm going to, to stand here in my individuality. I'm going to stand here in my truth, even if it's not your truth, and and be this. I mean, I, I, I get it when people are not ready for that and, or, or don't even see it as an option. So you have been hosting a women's circle for a, mm-hmm. a bit over a year now. Is it closer to a year and a half? Yeah, it's a year and a half. Yeah, because it started in January last year. And I've been to a handful of them, and they're they're really quite extraordinary. Um, and the women who come to them, it's made up of performers and artists and nurses and teachers and healers and museum experts. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm missing missing people. Those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. It's an amazing, eclectic group of women who have all sort of self-selected to be there, which is amazing. So, okay. Just tell me a little bit about it. What, when you started it, what were you thinking it would be? And what did, what has it become? And what has, what has it grown into? Yeah. Um, So I I had done a couple of, I've probably done maybe four or five um, circles, ritual evenings um, over the course of the year and a half, maybe before we started to meet regularly. Um, And really the impetus um, to, to have something that was more regular, that could be something that, that women could lean into and depend on um, what was the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, Mm. And what I was feeling from my community, from all the women that I knew was, I mean, there was so much grief and there was so much rage and there was in many ways so much disbelief um, that they could actually confirm him despite all the things that were being said and that they wouldn't take the allegations seriously that that I really thought, you know, we really need a space to talk about these things. We really need a safe space in which we can hear one another's stories and hold space for them um, in a way that isn't therapy. Like therapy has its own place and is amazing. Um, but there is something about women being with women and sharing stories and being able to have that, oh, yes, me too moment. So that you are not alone in whatever it is that that you are experiencing or or feeling or anything like that 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 really compelled me. It just it just felt really important. Um, and so I I actually threw out a you know I, I like posted a a thing on Facebook that just said hey I'm I'm thinking about starting a monthly women's circle who's interested. Uh, and I think there were like 80 women or something like that at the time who replied. Um, and I, I think thought, there oh, were. Wow. Yeah, it was it was an amazing number. Um and given that I was planning on doing them in my my living room, <laughs> I was like, Oh boy, if I get eight people, that's gonna be amazing. And I thought, Okay, breathe. 
you know, if 80 people show up, then next time you'll move into a bigger space. But in the meantime, um, I think there are about. And I have no doubt. I have no doubt. So, Tara, your living room is your full living room is what? What do you think? Maybe 20 by 10. Yeah, something maybe maybe a little wider than that, but yeah, it's a pretty. And I I have no doubt. (laughs) I have no doubt that if 80 women had shown up to that, you know, small-ish space, that you would have found a way to loaves and fishes that. There, yeah, the room yeah, would have we expanded somehow. <laughs> yeah, because it, mainly because the women who are self-selected into it are the kind of women who have that kind of expansive um, generosity. Like we would, we would have found a way to shoehorn everybody in and make sure that everybody's voices were heard. So, um, yeah. So then, it it grew from there and. It was interesting. It wasn't until about the third or the fourth month I actually created um, uh, a ritual that we do with every circle where we call in the directions. Um, And the script for that is always the same. Um, And I didn't realize until, like I said, like the third or fourth month that I had actually put all of the quote unquote rules that I had for the circle into that because it's all about you know, holding space for one another in a, in a way that's non-judgmental and understanding that what's right for one person may not be right for me, but that I can, um, I can support them in making the right choices for themselves, even though they're not the choices that I would make. Uh, and you know, what happens in the circle stays in the circle. Like it's, it's all of that. And I had woven that into this ritual and not even realized I'd done that. The, what I did, I actually got to giggle to myself. I was like, Oh, look what I did. Um, and, and you're, that, and, and that, you're, and you're showing, you're showing everybody the expectation without laying out a set of rules. Yeah. Which is really an extraordinary yeah. bit of, uh, the word that came to my mind is sneaky leadership, <laughs> but there was nothing <laughs> sneaky about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's right out there. But like, like talk about like, you know, something unconsciously showing up. Because I really, I didn't set out to do that at all. But, but it came through anyway, which is kind of amazing. And the group changes. I mean, it's been one of the amazing things about the the circle. We call it a coven. It's one of the amazing things about coven that um, that the group is never the same. I don't think we've had the same circle twice in the entire time that we've been doing it. And we have created such a space that feels so safe that, and it, and it doesn't matter who's in the room, everybody knows that the space is safe, that instead of people being wary of people that they don't know, it's become like a really welcoming community and so you know when people have friends who are in town they actually arrange so that people can come when we have coven and um you know people invite friends to come and some of the people who have you know turned out to be the the people who show up month after month are people that I didn't know when we started all of this but have become Mm -hmm. incredibly dear to me in in this process because they've we've become community we've become sisterhood and it's just an amazing thing. It really, it really is. It's so, it's so beautiful to, to have a space in which women can just be, and they can, they know, everybody knows you can show up to Coven 
wherever you are. One of my favorite nights, one of the women showed up and she was like, yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to come. And then I remembered that this was coming and it didn't matter. So I'm here and I don't have a bra on and I'm in my pajamas. And it was like, great. (laughs) I'm so glad you came exactly as you are because exactly where you are is beautiful. Like you in your truth, in your vulnerability, in your, you know, rage and in your joy and in your grief and in your frustration and whatever it like everybody is beautiful in that moment um and so it's just been it's been one of the the you know I felt I felt called to do it I was nervous and I was scared about sort of like stepping out and and proclaiming myself a, a leader you know in a group this in this kind of way and it has just turned out to be yet another one of those amazing gifts that came from from being dragged <laughs> where I needed to be. So, um, and from, yeah. from setting juiciness as your guiding principle. And setting juiciness as a guiding principle. It really, it, it's so funny that you say that because I'm in the process of writing a book and I'm working with a, um, a writing coach. And actually I recently got a, like a chapter back that, um, that she had edited and, and one of the like she had outlined juicy and there was a comment next to it and it said when we get to the end of the book I just want you to do a word count and see how many times you use the word juicy and I actually (laughs) laughed out loud because I know I've used it like probably you know a hundred times in every chapter (laughs) so well I can't I absolutely can't wait for your book to come out Um, I know it's going to be amazing I know it's still a work in progress when it does, when it's ready, I'm going to have you back to talk about it. I um, would love that. I would love but that. We're gonna there's so up. much in it. I know. I, I have no doubt that it's just <laughs> chock full of amazingness. Like that, that you're going to be the next, I don't know. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you can, Tara's going to be the next Brene Brown. I have, you know, she's got a podcast now and I'm like, I'm going to be on Brene Brown's podcast. That's my goal. I, I don't, I don't have any doubt that you will be someday. <laughs> but for now you're on mine. I know. <laughs> gotta, I'm so excited. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> no, it was amazing because wrap. I actually, can I just, can I say no. this real quick? No, I, go ahead. I, I actually said, somebody said to me that they had, um, found this group of agents who like help you get on podcasts and things like that. I was like, Oh God, I never even thought about that. Of course there's gotta be people there. I was like, you know, I should really explore how I would be on more podcasts. And then you emailed me and we're like, do you want to be on my podcast? And I was like, Oh, magic. <laughs> total serendipity and synchronicity. And so you are magic. my love. Oh, thank you. Before we wrap up, though, I want to ask you, you sent me a picture. I did. And the picture is of a bunch of little babies in diapers, and they're all different races, different shades of skin tone. Yeah. And I'd ask you, like I ask everybody, you know, send me a picture of something that is beautiful or true or beautiful and true to you. So will you tell me just a little bit about that picture and why you sent it? Yeah. Um, 
you know, you, we're, you and I were sitting here recording this, and it's the Monday after all of the protests um, that have been taking place all over the country um, against police brutality. And so this idea of race is, is very present for me right now, and, and the pain that our Black community is feeling um, and how we can help um, and be good allies. That's it's very present for me right now. And um, this picture, I, I, when you asked me to send you a picture and I was thinking about all the different kinds of things and what's beautiful and true for me right now. And um, the fact that we are not born racist, that, that it is not something that is hardwired into our DNA to look at someone who has a different skin tone and automatically see them as the other, but that that is something that's programmed into us along the way. Um, if, if, if someone downloads a program and you don't like it on your computer, you can strip it back out of your computer and put something else in. And the idea that with effort we can we can strip the racism out of ourselves that 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 programmed in inherent racism that we've got going um that gives me hope it gives me hope and so looking at all these beautiful babies in all of their amazing shades you know and and the fact that you know i I see the smiles on all their faces and the way they're touching one another and everything like that it it they are they are all every one of them beautiful and they are absolutely in their truths because babies don't know any other way to be but also that that hope piece of things that that we can be better than we are because because our beginnings our truth is not racist um not not at, at its most fundamental core um we we can we can begin again if we want to, if we work hard enough. That's my hope for us also. Well, Tara, this has been magnificent. I always love talking to you and with you. It's a joy. Thank you. I'm so honored that you would ask me. And, you know, I could spend hours and hours and hours talking to you about all of this stuff. Oh, and I'm sure we will. Once we feel safe to do so, (laughs) I will have you over to my magic porch. And we will have a glass of wine and we will spend hours hashing out juiciness and, and hope. <laughs> yes, please. More please. As I wrap up this episode, I just want to give another thank you, thank you, thank you to Tara Sullivan, holistic healer, amazing massage therapist, truly, truly wonderful friend for being my second guest. If you're interested in learning more about Tara and her work, you can visit her Facebook page. She is at Tara Sullivan Healer, and I'm sure she'd be thrilled to hear from you. If you like what you heard today, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Beautiful and True Project. I want to thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you find what is beautiful and true for you. Have a great week.